Hi, welcome to Exec Insider Secrets, made for busy leaders and entrepreneurs. In this podcast, we get to the source and the source of success. Hear from execs who bear all and share their insider secrets, along with my episodes aimed at optimizing your performance, productivity, success, and well-being. My name's Estelle Reed, and I'm an executive coach, trainer, and author at B. Okay, let's begin. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to Insider Exec Secrets. I have got the amazing Dan Jarvis with me, who I've known. How many years have we known each other now? I was trying to work it out the other day. Is it about seven years? Uh, yeah, I think it must be something coming like that. Yeah, I yeah. think it's coming up for seven years. Yes, I think it is. <laughs> it seems a moment. Because we literally... Exactly. The time has flown. <laughs> um, but Dan is a technical and business development manager for Plastribution Limited. We'll get to find out a bit more about Plastribution in a minute. Um, he helps internal and external customers with technical support on new and existing products. He also develops new products and markets for Plastribution's supply base. In addition, he manages a technical team, but also as part of his broader role. And it's it's all of this extra stuff that I'm really interested in for this podcast. He, in his role as a manager for the business, he looks after training, mentoring, coaching provision, mental health, first aid, and quality more recently. So what a, an amazing list of things that you do in the day mm. job. Tell us a bit about Plastribution. Okay, so so Plastribution um, are a local local company, Ashby de la Zouche based company. Um, been around for forty one years now, and I suppose to, to distill down what what we do um, in in a sentence is we we sell plastic raw material to converters who are making everything from. Um, flexible packaging, so food packaging, all the way up to automotive and aerospace parts. Um, so we supply all sorts of different materials. Got something like a thousand customers in the UK, um, involved in all sorts of different industries. And I think Plastribution started off very much as a one-man band to, to now when we are about seventy million pound turnover business. Um, Plastribution is actually now a group of companies as well. We have different divisions, and I think there's about 78 of us across the business covering all of the UK and Ireland. Um, so, yeah, so it's a, it's a very sort of varied customer base. But, yeah, very simplistically, we, we sell the sell plastics, which, uh, again, happy to have a discussion about the pros and cons of plastics. Uh, but, yeah, for, for my sins, that's, that's what... I and Plastribution do. Yeah. Well, t- tell us a bit about that because I know you're passionate about it. So, you know, expand on that a bit because that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's an interesting market to be in, um, plastics at the moment. And I think there's um, a lot of backlash and 
negativity in in the press and the media. Um, and I think one of the, I suppose one of the fundamental things is that that I think people um, confuse plastic litter with plastics themselves and, and see plastics as being, uh, you know, the social pariah and um, and a material that you know is 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 damaging to the environment. Um, you know, plastic littering is damaging to the environment, and I think when we think about littering, um, yeah, human beings are responsible for littering. <laughs> so I think everybody needs to play a part. But you know, when you think about plastics and and their uses, uh, you know, really. They help keep food fresh longer, so it means that you know it helps to, to feed a growing population. It makes our vehicles lighter, so they're using less fuel, so actually getting less emissions. Um, they are typically a better alternative to some other materials that I think we have a very different view of. Um, so, you know, I think the phrase "single-use plastics" is, is a very common one. Um, we don't seem to have the same view for things like glass jars or aluminium cans, although essentially it's exactly the same purpose. So we have a very different relationship with with plastics. Um, And I think, you know, we could all do our bit to make the world a, a cleaner, more sustainable place. And I think, you know, as I said, whilst we've been in business for 41 years, you know, we, we, we're not standing still. Um, in fact, over the last couple of years, I've worked very hard on developing a sustainable sustainable materials portfolio for distribution because we know the market's changing. We know people want different materials, things that are made from yeah. plants or biodegradable polymers, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, we are, we are as Hopefully, we are a sustainable supplier and a responsible supplier, so we want to react to what our customers want. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting. I, I go and well, I think we're going to go into this, but sort of pre-lockdown, um, I spent a lot of time talking to businesses and brand owners about plastics and about sustainability and what what some good options are, um, and I think. It's interesting having those kind of conversations because it almost raises more questions than it answers for people. Um, and I think, you know, it is our job to educate as much as anything else as well. Mm. Yeah, no, I feel like I'm being educated as I'm listening. I think it's fantastic, some of the stuff that you're doing. So let's get into, you know, how do you end up in a role that encompasses, so you're doing all of that, you know, so you're working from a technical mm. base, but then you're also involved in training, mentoring, coaching, mental health, and now quality. How how have you ended up with all of those strings to your bow? Uh, well, it's quite a, it's been an interesting story, really, because, um, you know, I've been at Plastries for quite a while now, sort of 18 years I've been in the business, and... In 2012, I was made technical manager. So, um, yeah, yeah we're, we're a technical company, and most people that work in the company are, are technical people. But well, I think we just wanted to have a focus for our technical resource. Um, 
we don't have a dedicated HR manager um, in the business. And mm-hmm. I think uh, you know the, the business took the decision that HR functionality would be devolved to the management team. So all of the managers within the business have HR responsibilities. Um, for me, I think my interest in and I use I use HR to, to, to cover a lot of different aspects, I suppose, but but my own interest in, in HR um, stemmed from getting into a coaching program myself, obviously with, with you. <laughs> um, and that sort of came out of the back of some psychometric tools that we, we still use within the business. Um, so things like disc profiles and, and emotional intelligence. And um, it was sort of, I was getting feedback on my emotional intelligence assessment from uh, I think I'm getting a lady of the you now, uh, Carol Johnson, who, who works for Thomas. A uh, lovely, lovely lady. So, hello, Carol, if you're listening. Um, and she, it was her. Hello, that said, Carol. Yes, indeed, indeed. Hello, Carol. Um, and she, she still looks after us, actually, from top of the Thomas perspective. But um, yeah, so it was her that said, you know, have you thought about coaching? And I think up to that point, I hadn't really thought about it. Um, no, it hadn't really been on my radar. Um, and yeah, and, and luckily, my line manager sort of said, yeah, let, you know, yeah, go and give it a go. Um, and I think that was certainly for me a, a trigger point in, well, A, in self-development. Um, and it, it's allowed me to develop to be, and I hope I hope my bosses would agree, that, you know, become a much more effective manager for the business, but also to start to think about the development of others as well so it kind of triggered an interest in me for coaching mentoring and again I think that the business as a whole wanted to progress these these kind of um what's what's the word activities within the business and um yeah and and luckily enough I've been sort of able to help drive that forward i mean we've done coaching and mentoring training within the business as, as you know um and say more recently we've actively looked at mental health having mental health first aiders um you know looked at the training provision that we give to all of the people that work for distribution so yeah so i think it was that trigger point for me that sort of started my interest in it and yeah so I've sort of actively pursue it um within the business and and I've been lucky enough to to have a a, a hand in developing it really yeah and and you know I've sat here and I was thinking it's no wonder you've got all these extra strings to your bow because of you know when I think about how much you've developed and grown over the years how much you've changed and I know I'm biased, but it is just magical watching you and, yeah, just just feeling so proud of everything that you've achieved um, vicariously, if you know what I mean. That, that, yeah, that's and, a word I use a lot. So I, I, uh, I, I enjoy other people's <laughs> success vicariously as well. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I must also um, say, ladies and gentlemen, the reason this podcast exists, and it, again, it's uh, an example of, I see you very much as a peer, you know, coach to coach these days. And, um, you know, because of your coaching ability and how much you've grown, developed, it's Dan's fault that this podcast exists because he was like nudging me in the ribs saying hey come on when you come on I've been listening to podcasts you need to do a podcast (laughs) and so here we are but again you know what thinking about your development your growth over the years you always leave with some kind of nugget of genius you know you always say something really wise and you know part of me sits there and think well I'm you know I'm supposed to be a coaching you do you mean but thanks for that I'll take it (laughs) that as well um so I look forward to when we get to the last part of this interview which is about your nuggets of genius and you can share some of those wise words so come on tell me about just give us a little flavor of your life pre-lockdown so a day in the life of Dan Jarvis in to help demystify what your role's like so I guess pre-lockdown, I did quite a bit of travelling um, and that was, mm-hmm. again, sort of over the last couple of years, it's been a bit more based on sustainability and, and talking to talking to customers and brand owners about sustainability. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, I've never been particularly precious and I still... You know, I used to go and see customers to run material trials, talk about new projects, um, you know, troubleshoot, problem solve, that kind of thing. Um, when I wasn't traveling, um, I would be involved perhaps in more broader management of the business, um, but also in sort of managing my team as well. I've got two great guys that work for me uh, in the technical team and, you know, Again, I, I hope that I've gone. I've been helping to develop them into into the areas they want to develop into, um, and encouraging them and helping them to help customers, internal external customers. Um, training. So you know, we we used to run training courses. Uh, so we would have um, you know customers on a training course, whether it be a hands-on course or a more theoretical type course. And in fact, one of the last things that we did pre-COVID, um, we actually did a, a conference on sustainability. Um, and we had something like 120 people at the conference, two-day event, uh, had a variety of guest speakers. So, you know, again, I was part of the team that helped set that up, develop the content, um, you know, run the conference. And it was a massive success. And I think... You know, people still talk about it now. Um, so yeah, I think I was I did a lot of miles pre-COVID, um, and hopefully, you know, saw saw many customers and many brand owners, um, which I still do, uh, just do it in a different way, of course, as same as um, a lot of people yeah. uh, adapting to um, a a new normal, I guess. Um, but yeah, so mm. so it was it was. A combination of those things, um, and again, I've been I've been lucky enough to 
be able to coach some people in the business. So part of my time would be uh, coaching. Um, and also I'm a practitioner for the Thomas Tools as well. So again, part of my time would be taken up uh, delivering feedback on various um, assessments that people would have done as part of our sort of ongoing um, Thomas programme. So, yeah, a, a very sort of busy schedule, but but very varied and, and you know, never the same day twice, to be honest. Yeah, no, and that's what I, I was sat here thinking, gosh, you know, it's, there's such a lot of variety in there. But again, one of the things I think that is a, that enables you to do that is, is, again, where you've developed and grown and come from and to in terms of, how you manage yourself, but also I was, I was sat here thinking, yeah, you know, it's been fascinating to see how things have been passed down the line by using your coaching approach and developing and growing the team that you have around you as well, which, which of course enables you to grow your role as well, doesn't it? So yeah. it's no great surprise, but leading on to that, what, what career result, success, outcome have you been most proud of, would you say? Well, I'm not, I think I've been lucky, really, because, you know, contribution, um, you know, my, my, my two bosses, I suppose, are, are Mike and Catherine. Um, so hello to them again, if they're, if they're listening. But yeah, they, they've been <laughs> very supportive of me and have allowed my role to expand in the business so um you know i i like to sort of i like to learn new things i like to get involved in new things so um you know i i like to take on new new responsibilities and new challenges and they've allowed me to do that um you know i think going back to sort of 2012 when I was first made a manager, um, kind of, I'd, I'd wanted to be a manager in the business for quite some time. Um, and I think what's interesting is you sort of, uh, then, if I think back to then, I wanted to be a manager, but I'm not sure what I what I, what it was going to be. Um, and I think it's taken a few years for for me to sort of find my feet and to understand what, what being a manager is all about um, and what opportunities it gives you. Um, I suppose, you know, I'm, I'm proud in a lot of ways in the sense that, you know, I, I took on the technical manager's role. I've, I've sort of developed the technical resource in the business. Um, I'm proud of both of the, the two guys that work for me. Um I'm proud of the fact that I've been involved in the development of some other people who have subsequently joined the management team. Um, you know, I think as part of obviously trying to develop as a coach and a, and a leader up, you know, outside of work, I, I actually became a, a trained coach as well. So I did a coaching diploma, which, you know, I was doing um, in the evenings which again was was a great achievement, you know, and, and I was really sort of proud yeah. of myself for, for doing that. Um, and and I think you know, it's it's uh, I suppose it's a bit of a cliche to say, but um, you know, 
I, I've spent a lot of time in self-development and I just, you know, yeah. even I recognise that I'm a different person because of that um, than I was five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, it's, it's and, I, and I'm sort yeah. of developing all the time. Um, and again, you know, I've got a lot of people to be grateful for for that. So, um, so yeah, and, and, you know, the more and more I get involved in the sort of broader management of the business, the more I get involved in supporting mental health initiative, more I get supporting coaching and mentoring and training in the business. Again, you know, I'm proud of, I'm proud of all those things as well, because it's, it's probably now more than ever about, um, giving something back and developing others. Yeah, no. Um, and I think, and again, I was sat here listening, thinking it's, your business is such a great business in that for the the size you are, you know, to, I've always, my experience of distribution has always been that you've been innovative. You're always prepared to do things differently. You know, the fact you haven't got an HR department is an example of that. And the fact that you are an internal coach, because again, I was, I want to ask you about how, so you've qualified as a coach now and you did that in your own time, intrigued as to how you use those skills in your business now and where you're using coaching. So can you answer that one for me? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think in, in various different aspects and, and sort of, well, I think, you and me laugh about this all the time, don't we? But, you know, you sort of, you, you end up, um, a lot of things can become coaching conversations or coaching scenarios um, almost without you knowing it or, or without the other person knowing it. Um, and I think, yeah, I suppose coaching is a very broad brush word, isn't it? But, um, you know, in terms of some of the things that I've learned along the way from, um, from studies, but from, you know, from you, uh, it, you know, you, you can use coaching to deliver better training. You can use coaching skills to understand customers better. Um, you know, I think one of the, uh, one of the best tricks I think that I, I have learned um, and one of the most basic things that I've, I've learned and it's most useful is is the, the power of silence and um, letting other people talk. Um, but I mean, it's it's useful in developing my team as well. And and I sort of I, I I've, I've tried to adapt my management style to my team to get the best out of them and for them to be able to develop as well. Um, again, in terms of so the Thomas tools and giving feedback to people again, typically they end up in a coaching style conversation. Um, so I guess, you know, I, I use my coaching skills every day in all sorts of different scenarios. And sometimes I'm not conscious of doing it almost, um, you know, and whether that's, whether that's just because. I was going to say unconscious. Yes. I was going to say, yes, unconscious, unconscious competence. I yes, think. Um, <laughs> Well, yes, indeed, indeed. So, um, you know, so yeah, so, so every, every, it's, it seeps into everything. I think is the is the simple answer. Yeah. 
And, you know, the other thing I love about you, and do you remember me saying that I've obviously written a book, but it's not for you. You're not my target market. Can you remember me saying this? Yes. Yeah, so it's about <laughs> imposter syndrome and... Um, you know, just when I asked you that question earlier about what you're most proud about, one of the things Andrew's folks is he's really good at authentically owning what is good. So, you know, yeah, I can do this and I'm proud of this and I'm proud of the other. And, and that is one of the antidotes to imposter syndrome is being clear about what it is that you're good at and then owning it and and being okay with being proud of of the things that you've achieved and that has always been my experience of you from day one and it always impressed me and it was good again just to see it then a few moments ago yeah thank you I mean um, again it is obviously this isn't a normal situation you and I sat well um, very true very true I think I think it's interesting though, isn't it? And, and um, again, you know, we, we might want this later, but um, I think the whole imposter syndrome thing is is really interesting. And and you know, um, I I doubt myself sometimes. You know, I, I genuinely sort of think, yeah, how how am I how am I doing this? And how am I how am I in the position I'm in? You know, how am I being given? The, the responsibility to do this, you know, somebody must be mad to let me do this. Um, and then, and then equally on other days, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm the greatest person that ever lived. Why wouldn't somebody, um, what, you know, want me, to, want me to do that? So, um, yeah, it, it's, I think um, we all have our moments of weakness. Of course we do. Yeah. And, and that is actually, that's in, you make a valid point that, imposter syndrome comes and goes and I was I can't remember I was having a conversation with the other day but I was talking about the impact of you know when we feel competent in an area then often imposter syndrome doubt imposter syndrome thoughts and doubts don't tend to creep in it's when we're often doing something different or new but I still stand firm that you are very good at going yeah yeah that's me you know I'm I am this, 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 and and you always give that, regardless of what's going on on the inside, you always give that self-assured vibe and it's impressive. So talking about the inside, because you know um, we do inside out, we get to the source and the source. So the source of who um, people are and the source being the really interesting, fascinating stuff, although you're starting to allude to some of this already, which is brilliant. So one of the things I like to talk to guests about are the values and values being what things are important to them. And again, it is a an indicator of what, well, you know, our insides really. And, and then we connect it to because we are products of our past and then we connect it to, to those childhood experiences that created those values. And again, that's kind of the source, the interesting part as well. And, you know, one of the reasons I set up this podcast, you, first of all, as I say, kicked me in the ribs. Um, and so 
kind of pricked my conscience. But then I was thinking, well, what's the purpose of this? And the purpose of this is this podcast is I he- I'm privileged to hear so many inside stories and from all of these execs that I work with and they'll often say things to me like, oh, I can't believe I'm telling you this or am I normal or is this strange? And I'll say, look, I've heard it all before in one guise or another. These walls have heard many stories and you know, I am in a privileged position to hear all of that. And that's why I want to get that message out to other people to say, look, this, you know, we all experience this stuff. It's fine. Um, Because part of growing, progressing, moving on is accepting who we are. Um, And, but also raising our awareness because that it's that whole knowledge is, it puts us in the driving seat, doesn't it? It gives us power. So, So come on then, what are your three most important values at work in your current role? I mean, for me, I I believe in in honesty. I think honesty is important. Um, And, you know, we sort of, even in our industry, we we are faced with dilemmas of times with customers about, you know, how to approach them with something but you know i always i always say to to my team you know um deal in facts because facts is facts and the the, you know there's no arguing with them um but but you know i like to be honest with people and i like people to be honest with me um in fairness is important um i think uh being being treated uh fairly and everyone to be treated fairly is, is important as well. Um, and um, I mean, I, well, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of the, the third one. Um, I mean, I think. You spoke about flexibility when we. Yeah. Yeah. Spoke I mean, about it before. Yeah. I mean, I think flexibility is, is well, and again, as I was talking about earlier on, flexibility has allowed me to become the, not not just the, the sort of the manager I am now, but the person I am now. So I think um, you know, being in a in a business that has a flexible approach is, is you know really beneficial to, to everybody involved. And I think it's, it's certainly benefited me. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I do work in a flexible business. So um, so yeah, so yeah, I think those three things are very important to me. <coughs> And because honesty is a really interesting one. And in fact, again, I was talking to my husband about it yesterday because we were talking about honesty and integrity. And I know honesty and integrity are really important to me. And I know sometimes it gets me into trouble. <laughs> well, and uh, in fact, when we were away in Yorkshire the other week and I was saying to my husband, I said, I think there's a the scope for me to be even more honest in that context. And he looked at me and he said, uh, really? Almost like, watch out. Um, <clears throat> so how how did honesty become important to you? Or why why did it become important to you? That's an, a really interesting question. And um, I think we have spoken about this quite a lot because one of the things that I have always struggled with is 
um because we're just talking about you know th- things values and things being um set when you when you're a certain age and when you when you were a kid um and i think I always struggle about memories. I know we've talked about this loads about, you yeah. know, I, I can't recall hundreds and hundreds of memories of when I was a kid. In fact, very, very few. Um, you know, even, yeah. to the, even to the point where, um, you know, I think I think when we, we were working on certain things that, you know, I'd, I'd gone off to talk to my dad and to my siblings and things about, look, you know, I, what, I, I can't remember. I can't remember these things. So, so what, you know, can you give us any insights to myself? Um I mean, I think I suppose some of the interesting things. I mean, I'm I'm one of four, so um, I've got two, yeah. two brothers and a sister, um, and you know, we we certainly had had a perfectly happy home. No, no sort of as far as I'm aware, no traumas. I might just probably I probably uh, buried them, but no, I'm, I'm just a joke. Um, but certainly, when I was talking to my dad re- recently about this, and. Uh, yeah, he was he was saying that. Um, I mean, I, I didn't know this already, but when I was very young, and when I was a baby, my dad was very ill. He couldn't work, and he, he couldn't work for a couple of years. And so my mum was my mum was um, my mum was sort of working, trying to trying to keep the family afloat. And my sister was kind yeah. of taking on a bit of a um, a bit of a motherly role for, to, to the younger ones as well. And um, so you know, there's there's very few photos of me as a kid because yeah there was yeah. Just no, no money we didn't have any money or um and I think I do wonder whether some of my sort of trust and um fairness comes from from that of sort of seeking to be um getting as much attention as, as perhaps the, yeah. the others would have done um yeah. so yeah so, but but again you know we, we've we've talked about this a lot and we've done all sorts of things and and um but but I think what what was interesting um, was, and I think and I think I showed you this that when I was talking to my sister about um, you know my memories of, of my early childhood, that she produced this uh, this book that she'd yeah. done as a yeah. college project. Um, I don't know if you remember me yeah. showing it you, but but it was basically yeah, a, a, a diary of uh, of me as a you know like a five six year old. Um, and she would literally note down everything that I did, um, you know, to the point where you read it and go, you know, was I really such a dick, you know, when I was a kid? But, um, you know, oh, all, all these no. weird things. No, no, I know, but, yeah, she'd, she'd write about what, you know, whether we colouring in and draw, she, there's, there's drawings I'd done in it and all sorts and kind of, yeah, I, I do wonder whether um, deep down some of it's driven from that. Yeah. And so making the connection with, so the fairness piece being, you know, hey, there's lots of pictures of everyone else and where's my picture type of thing. Is that, is that? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that would be an example of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Yeah. But again, I don't think and I was conscious of it. I think I was conscious of it no. as a kid. Uh, and I'm not necessarily conscious of it now, but, you know, as you sort of try and, uh, piece things together um, as, as sort of you, you get into uh, self analysis, as, as you know, I, I do a lot these days. Um, yeah. you, know, you, 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 you try and find the connections and, um, and, and work on those things to, you know, 
turn off triggers and things now and 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 so yeah i do wonder whether subconsciously there's there's some of that in it yeah yeah no and and bearing in mind that we are i think i can't remember whether i've had this conversation with you or not so the most self-aware human beings are five percent conscious you know consciously in charge of all of their actions so that's the really really self-aware if you're not self-aware then you only one percent consciously aware so there's a whole lot going on beneath the surface isn't there you know know, these automatic programs and this morning um i was working with a client and we were talking about those unconscious messages that we get from parents and carers and people that nurture us growing up and we don't necessarily we can't necessarily articulate those messages so you know as a result of x y and z this is why that's important but we do come to some form of conclusion which is our expressed in our value um and so for you it's your flexibility honesty and um what was the other one i've forgotten all of a sudden <clears throat> and fairness yes fairness yes. And, so good memories and one of them for me <laughs> no and, and me oh my god especially as I've got older so how mm. does so let's just take one of those values take for example honesty how does that interplay in business how does how do you know that that value is, is at play um it, what from a personal perspective or in, in business in general? Yeah, for you, for you, for you personally. So you know the thing with values is that you see, I have this unusual theory in that I believe we get stressed when we don't get our values met, and the other thing I believe is that we experience the more positive emotions when we do get our values met, or everything feels in balance and like everything is right with the world. But take, for example, so if you are getting the value of honesty met, then everything feels okay. Mm. But if that isn't met, then things feel less than okay. So how does it interplay? And also it it's, it influences our behaviour. That's the whole thing with values, that it drives our behaviour. So at some level, you will be driving for honesty, fairness and flexibility in your behaviours and actions. And I'm just interested in how your values influence your behaviour at work, I guess. Well, I think, I think um, in, in a work scenario, and I can think of a few uh, recently, I suppose, where um, I, I like to manage people's expectations. So... Yes. Um, so, for example, well, again, this, and this is something that that I've been working at, uh, working on with with my team, and they they've been doing some great work on um, sort of being proactive in the, in in the business. And by that, I mean um, quite often, if somebody comes to us, they uh, it's because they've got some sort of issue or they they want something from us. Um, so, for example, somebody might want some um, some documentation that, that we, we haven't got. So, you know, I, I'm a great believer in then go, going to that person and saying, right, I, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. it. It may take some time. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get it to you today. It's going to be yeah. a period of time. And then if then later down the line they're chasing it, I'd like to say, okay, I will chase it for you. And again, I keep that dialogue going because, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, well, it wouldn't feel right to me to sort of to, to tell somebody something that isn't true. And, it, and it's the same way as, you know, um, we have customers that ask us for, uh, they're working on a new project and they want something that will do X, Y, and Z. And, and you know, we have to say, I, I, can't, I can't give you that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and sometimes people are taken aback by that. But then, it, to me, that's good because... Yeah. If you know, if you if if you if you're told the truth, then you can work with it. Whereas, exactly, if you're if you're, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying people actively lie, but if you if you if you don't tell people that open truth, or you sort of say, oh, well, let let me go away and look at it, actually, you, you're stringing people along. If you know if you know yeah. full well that the, on day one it's not going to work, well, you know, for me. I might as well tell them that on, on day one. Yeah. And, and and the same with, I mean, it's, it's um, I don't know if it's an, an, a sort of an inherent human trait necessarily, but, um, you know, people don't like to talk about money. And so yeah. if I talk to somebody on a new project, again, I'm sort of, and I've learned this as I've got older, is one of my first questions is, you know, how, how much what, what's your budget on this? What, yeah. what, what are you, what are you trying to achieve? What, how, how, what are you want, what do you want to make this component for? Um, yeah. And if it's tuppence, well, if you want to make it for tuppence, you can only use these things. Yeah. Um, so, so I, you know, that's for me. That's what honesty is about in in, in business. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I was talking to a guy. Uh, I'll give you a. a a live example. I was talking to a guy a few weeks ago um, who, you know, wanted to be it's quite a big component. Um, it was about four and a half kilos. And um, he, he wanted to sell the finished product for a fiver. Um, and, you know, if the part weighs four and, a half kilo, four and a half kilos on material cost alone, that's, you know, even if you're using something relatively um economical i mean it's a pound a kilo say so i said to him well look you know that's four and a half quid before you've even done anything with it you haven't converted it into anything so it's just you're not really about to do it for a fiver yeah so that there you go that's that's your you you cannot do that and and i'd rather have that conversation on day one than six months down the line when someone's saying to me well i'm trying to make this five quid and i can't do it well I told you that six months ago. Yeah. Um, so, so that that's a, a yeah, good example yeah, yeah. where um, being honest is is important. Um, and, and again, yeah. it's, it's the same if I'm if I'm talking to to my team or they've got a query on something. Again, it's I would say, look, you know, th- this is the reality of the situation. Um, so you're better off talking to the customer in that context than um, you know. How how can we skirt around the issue? Well, actually, you might as well deal with the issue because now yeah. you might as well do it now because you're going to have to do it at some point. And now's the best time because yeah. you've got the most time to do something about it. Yeah, 
No, I couldn't agree more. But again, that's that's the interesting thing with values. You know, when values align, you have similar viewpoints, similar beliefs about how things should be done. And uh, again, at an earlier session today, we, I was talking about how when our values align in an organisation, we feel like we can be ourselves because we've got things we can act and behave in a similar way. Um, it, and yeah, yeah. So moving on to, so values, beliefs, they're all inextricably linked. So whether one creates the other, don't know if I'm completely honest, but they are inextricably linked. But take your value of, you know, well, any of your values, to be honest. But just to give you an example of how this works. So I have one of my values is personal development and growth. Hence why I'm a coach and then I'm a trainer. So what is the belief that supports that? Well, the belief and so we can have limiting beliefs that support a value and we can have empowering beliefs. So the limiting belief for me used to be that I wasn't clever enough. And so therefore you would go on this quest to learn more stuff, which then made personal development important in my career. And also, you know, and I spoke about this before on the podcast, you know, achievement. So again, you'll get values that are connected as well. And often it's as a result of powerful experiences when we're growing up. So for me, it was sat on tick table, as I've already spoken about. And then we create beliefs around that. And, you know, I am in the game of changing beliefs, especially limiting beliefs. That's what I do for a living because our beliefs drive our behavior. So whatever we choose to think or believe, following on from that creates our action. So what limiting belief have you overcome in your career? And how did you overcome it? I think, I mean, that's a good, what you're saying there about um, sort of not feeling good enough is, is, is an interesting one. And, you know, yeah. I think, it, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I, I'm not, I'm not as bad as I used to be on this, but I think I still, I'm still working through this. And this is the sort of, yeah. um, the seeking of validation. And yes. um, I, I think, I don't know if you remember, but when, when I was, um, when I was doing my my coaching diploma, that I would talk to you about it, and you know, I almost every time I saw you, I was seeking validation on something that I was thinking. I was thinking, well, this this is the thing to do here, and uh, but I would always say to you, like, what what do you think? You know, what is, do you think it's the right thing to do, or um, you know, what, what what would you do? And and I think seeking validation is something that. Um, I have done for a long time, but I'm but I am getting better at and becoming more um, internally validated than externally validated. Good. So that that is yeah. um, that is a real trick that I think w- once I've nailed it, then you know that that will that will be you know a, a gold star. Um, but that's, yeah. that's been a challenge yeah. because, um, you know, I think it, it's, it's, and it's, it's still wanting that 
um, that pat on the head or that, yeah, that's 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 a good job. That's the right thing to do. And and I think, you know, as, as in in business, I think that the the further up the chain you go, the the less. And again, this in. Um, because people change towards you, but I think the less likely you are to get validation, if you if you know what I mean. So I think it's a real um, it's a real yeah. benefit if you can completely self validate everything that you do. So that so that's certainly been a challenge yeah, no. and continues to be a challenge, but certainly one that I I am changing uh, my yeah. abilities and- in. It, it relates to a bit of motivation theory, actually. Hertzberg theory and recognition is one of the things that motivates us. And, you know, again, I was sat listening to you and I thought, I think also it's context specific. So if you're learning a new skill, you were, learn, you were enhancing your coaching skill set, weren't you? Mm. And I think there are times when it can be useful to have validation is that fair you know so that's why we have mentors it's why we you know and I think to be honest it's even why the coaching industry has come about because we become that confidential soundboard for people to say right this is what's in my head this is what I'm thinking and just like the client said this morning I knew all that stuff I just needed to hear what I really thought but then they self-validate. I'm not the one saying you've got to do this, you've got to do the other. They, through that coaching process, people do self-validate, don't they? So, and and I experienced this the other day that I felt like I wasn't being fully honest with somebody. And, but also I didn't want to upset the person by saying really on my mind. And in the end, I said what was on my mind because it, it 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 kind of sat too uncomfortably to not say what was on my mind. But that that tension created a bit of stress in that moment. So, what causes you stress, and and then how do you de-stress? Well, I think for me. Um stressed and interesting one these days because actually um I, I i don't get stressed a lot in my in my new my new normal um you know i think yeah. in in a lot of ways i'm less stressed than i've been for a while um yeah and I think sort of prior to that, in terms of stress, because I mean, I think one of the fundamental things for me, and and whether it be in you know with my technical manager's hat on or you know mentoring hat or whatever, um, I think the, the 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 root sort of thing for me is whatever I'm doing, I, I want to do a good job. So, um, and if I'm you know dealing with somebody, I want them to to go away from it hey, I think I've done a good job and that they think they had a good job done for them um so I mean things like um sort of stresses would be and again I think we've talked about this before about um you know if you if you're doing a report or a presentation um you know are you are you 
but I still do stress about being prepared for things, you know, really doing something thoroughly, um, you know, and again, an, an important lesson, I think, that that I learned, um, and again, partly through working view, is, is that thing of, you know, sometimes 80% is good enough. And, you know, if you sort of think about yourself against other people, perhaps, you know, my 80% is actually better than somebody else's 90%. So it's just accepting that it doesn't have to be perfect for it to be, to, for it to be doing a good job or, yes, um, you know, uh, and again, sort of that thing about um, approval. Uh, and again, you know, it, I, I remember the first time that you came into to Plastribution to do some coaching training um, and I was kind of, I was so obsessing on wanting everybody because I, I obviously I'd done the training with the, you know and I, I was doing training but I wanted everyone else to be engaged and I was so worried that like I don't know what what's she going to think if you know certain people aren't engaging or aren't doing this and kind of that stressed me out and we we spoke about it at the time um, so things like that stressed me out. Um, but as I say, I think yeah. I, I, I don't have some of those pressures now. And, and I think, again, part of that is, uh, you know, learning the skills to not not take on all of these things. And, you know, ultimately, you, you can only control yourself, can't you? You can't control um, what other people do or how yeah. engaged they are. It's, it's up to them. Um, so, yeah, so those things have changed. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of, de-stressing uh, I think one of the big revelations for me this year has been being in the garden um, you know and, and obviously in lockdown you know, we, we couldn't go anywhere you know um, you know we, we would quite often go to gigs and things and then see bands and stuff and, and that sort of thing was was off the off the table Um and yeah, we're lucky enough to have have a garden. Um, and this year, we've just we've spent so much time outside, and you know, we've become obsessed with gardening. And it's kind of it's so therapeutic to be. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have a big garden. You know, and I live in a town. It's not like I'm I'm out in the sticks, and you know, I'm not sort of words with wandering through fields of uh, daffodils. But um, you know, I, I can go out <laughs> in my garden. Um, <laughs> Potter about, you know, perhaps have my headphones on, listening to some music, you know, do some digging or some weeding. Um, and yeah, and it just takes you out of yourself. And and it's been a real, yeah, I mean, I've never really bothered with the garden much before, but say now we're absolutely obsessed with it. So um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to next summer because we've done a lot of work this year Good that hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll show next year. So but that's been very, very relaxing. Uh, for sure. And again, I think you know like, that you, yeah, you shared with me the bee. B- Sorry. No, go on. So that light delay again. <laughs> no, you remember you mentioned your bee bombs. Mm, yeah. 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 So, so, so I, I think weird on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so weird on Instagram. Or, you know, after we had that conversation. All of a sudden, I started getting adverts for bee bombs. How strange. 
so spooky, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, go on. No, no. Um, I mean, the, the, and the other thing, and, and, and um, the other thing about the gardening is teaching me, because I'm not, I'm not particularly patient. So the other thing gardening is teaching me is patience, because, and I think I've told this story, but I'll tell you again, and it, it makes me laugh. Um, Claire, Claire, my partner Claire, uh, wanted a, um, a magnolia bush in the garden. Um, and yeah, we, we were we were at a local garden centre a while ago, and um, and we always we 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 tight swine, so we, we always go to the last gasp section, as we call it. You know the the plants that are a bit on their last legs. Last gasp. And lo and behold, there was a there was a little magnolia plant in there for a couple of quid. So like, oh, brilliant! Yeah, we'll, we'll get this, and we got it, and we duly planted it. Um, you know. And we were reading up, reading up on it. It's like, you know, it will grow to, you can grow to 15 foot high and all this carry on. And um, we were like, fantastic, you know, it'd be, be nice. And um, then we were watching a, a television programme. Um, well, against what our life has become. We were watching a gardening programme. And they were talking about magnolias. And they were saying that um, in order to enjoy a magnolia at its best, your grandparents would need to have planted it so that it's fully developed by the time you see it. So, like, we were like, well, you know, our two-quid twig that we bought is, is not going to be the uh, majestic display we thought it was anytime soon, you know. So I'll be, like, 70 <laughs> by the time it's uh, fully developed. But, but, but it's just that thing of, you know, uh, you, gardening doesn't mean you put something in the ground and then a day later... It's it looks like Kew Gardens because it doesn't, um, you know. You, you and like yeah. those bee bomb things are a great example where you know because I've, I have I've I've planted a little sort of a wild meadowy bit in the garden, thinking well that'd be nice for the insects and all that. But I planted it now, but it'll be like next August before it does anything. So I've got to wait for eight months, ten months before oh, it actually wow. does anything. So, but it, but it's teaching me patience which is, uh, again, um, not a virtue that I necessarily had much of before. Yeah. And, uh, and also there's that, I re- as, as you and I have already said before, I really wish I was a good gardener and I was more patient. Like we had loads of, we had about 60 seedlings and we got like two cabbages from it, that, which were then eaten by slugs. And I was just like... <laughs> You know, um, I really wish I could get into it. And I'm sure somewhere, I think it's in a book, I'm looking around, it is in a book. And that actually they, I think did in a study, they prescribed gardening for people and they said it was really good for mental health. So people suffering with mental health issues, they're actually, the GP was prescribing some gardening, a gardening claw or something like that. And I thought... Yeah, it's fascinating. I need to get into this. Um, I think it's that it's that thing, isn't it? Of of um, you know, it, it is it is sort of the, the thing of you, you put a seed in the ground and you, something grows. It is, I mean, it, it sounds simplistic, but it's kind of it is a, a bit of a sort of a miracle in some ways, isn't it? And and you know, um, now the the well now we're into sort of yeah. and there's not much to do in the garden and the night you know the clocks have changed and things I've sort of I still go out in the garden but I've, I've started um 
I started making bread, which I know again, you know, no, no, nothing new particularly, but but again, it's a similar thing of like, you know, you put things together oh, nice. and then and then you let you leave the dough and then you know leave it overnight and, and suddenly this big dome of airy bread appears and it's like you know some, some sort of miracle you know yeah um, but again it's being patient this patience thing again that you know you have to wait for it to happen it patience but also the sim and and the simple things getting pleasure and happiness and again that was part of yeah. the coaching conversation this morning that we can get so much pleasure can't we from the simple basic things in life um yeah Right, on to next heading, optimising performance and success, because that's what this podcast is about ultimately. So how how do you optimise your performance or success? And you're not allowed to say it's my success is just down to luck. That's one of the rules of the podcast. You're not allowed to say that. So what do you put your success I- down to? How do you optimise your performance? Well, I mean, I think I think um, fundamentally, uh, you know, I've I've got the capacity to learn new things. I've got the mental capacity to do that. Um, mm. I've also learned a lot over the last few years about what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. Yeah. Um, and and you know, yes. and and I think. Part of that's to do with because um, one of the th- again one of the things that historically I would have done is is react emotionally to things. So um, now I'm much more yes. sort of tuned into right. I, I recognise this that I, that I want to do something about this. So who am I going to talk to about it, and how how do I need to approach it? One of the most important things and that's helped me is um really opening yourself up to self-development and and kind of not being afraid of of um looking inward and growing from there because um you know i I think well, I suppose what a simpler way of putting it is sort of being becoming comfortable in your own skin, because um, I think I if I if I hadn't gone through a process of of sort of opening myself up to self development and and going through some challenging concepts for myself, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be yes. the person I am today. Um, so I think, you know, it, it, the, the best advice I could give anybody would be, you know, if, if you've not taken that first step in self-development, then take it because, you know, it, it will only make you a, a better and happier human being. Uh, yeah, that'd be the best advice I could give to anybody. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and what was what was the first kind of self development thing that you did? Was it your Thomas profile, or was it reading other books? Or well, I think I think the, the first thing, um, and again, you know, I, I I learned this from you really, and and the first real self development thing that I did 
was be be honest with yourself about what you want to achieve, about you know how you view certain things, and think think about why certain you react to certain things in certain ways. Um, I mean, again, we've sort of talked to us a lot about you know it, it, it's you could you could go down a rabbit hole of um, of sort of how can I say questioning everything you thought and did and and you know and when you first, when I first started yeah. really getting interested in self development that's what I did um, but it's just that thing of you know as as you get more practiced at it you can stop and say you know um i think i've used this analogy with you before but like you know you you could be you could be driving down the road and and somebody cuts you up or whatever and you know sort of your initial reaction is to you know give it all the bacon out the out the uh out the window um you know or, or and then get yourself get yourself wound up you're winding yourself up that person doesn't doesn't know that you're not winding them up you're winding yourself up or you can yeah. take an opposite view of like well you know it hasn't how has it affected me it hasn't negatively impacted me that person might be rushing off to the hospital or you know their wife might be expecting a baby or something it, it and it just changes your perception of that moment doesn't it yeah. and you're not stressed then and you just yeah. go, go about your day and you know yeah. and um yeah, so, so it's just that thing of choose. You, you can choose how you want to be. Yeah, and and that links, you know. Well, first of all, it's a definite sign of what we refer to as a growth mindset, which is those incremental improvements all the time, having that feedback loop as to. You know, it's the old definition of insanity. Keep doing what you're doing and expect a different result. You know, that feedback loop, I refer to it as your bridge. You know, like you're on a ship, you've got a bridge, you've got all the information coming in. And then the captain has to decide what you do with that information. And um, one of the, in fact, my mum bought me this book. It was called uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Have you read it? Yeah, I know the book. Yeah, I've read it. I know the book you mean. And it was, it's just such a brilliant little book. And I know one of the things that I took from that is that there's a space in between. So stimulus and response. So the classic example you described, someone cuts you up, you've got space in between that reaction, haven't you? You know, you've been stimulated to respond a certain way, but there is a gap in between there. And that takes real emotional intelligence, doesn't it, to, to manage, well, actually, I'm going to choose to, to deal with this differently. And I remember years ago, they, they did a study. It was on uh, white van man drivers. And they had them hooked up to heart monitors and all sorts. And those that learned to, so when someone cut them up or did something, they'd be like, Rah! you know, swearing, effing and jeffing. The blood pressure go right up. And over time, they learn to have a better response in that space in between and to react differently. And overall, all the, all the vital signs improved. You know, it was, it was fascinating. So I'm going to bring things to a close. What is, to close things, what would you say is your biggest insider 
secret or nugget of genius that you would like to share with us? Have we already covered it? Well, I think I think yeah, I, mean, I think just that. I think it's it's um, you know don't don't be don't be afraid of yourself. Don't be afraid of challenging yourself. And and um, you know you, you, people have got infinite capability. Um, you know, if they allow themselves to have it, um, and and you know, it's, it's it's about being being realistic with yourself in in both understanding what your challenges are and working on them, but also I think as you said, you know, actually one of the hardest things in the world to do is recognise that, that you are good at something and think, well, I I am good at that, so I'm going to pursue that whether it be yeah you know, it doesn't have to be in a work situation but you know um yeah and and half the time if, if you enjoy something it's probably you're probably going to be good at it so it's finding things to enjoy um and yeah and, and sort of become comfortable in your own skin any of these topics have piqued your interest and you'd like to optimise your performance, productivity, success or well-being, here's the next steps. You could book a free coaching discovery meeting with me, but please bear in mind I have a limited number of sessions available each month. Perhaps you want to get to know me a bit more. See the link below to book and or connect with me on social media. I am Estelle Reed, executive coach, trainer, and author at B, and this has been Exec Insider Secrets. Thanks for listening.